Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the 100th episode of Force of Nature Podcast. Starts now. Welcome, everyone, to the 100th episode of Force of Nature podcast. I am your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host, David Botcher. Terrific, 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 terrific. 100 <laughs> terrifics there. Hey! And Dave, congrats to you for our 100th episode, which hey. is honestly quite the accomplishment for any podcast. Oh, yeah. And it's just really cool that we've made it this far. Uh, I'm proud of us. Oh, yeah. So, congrats, Dave. Hey, congrats, Matt. And since 100 episodes is a real milestone number, I thought it would be a good idea to do a story from our man, Jim Corbett. I'm Jim Corbett, mother... Jim Corbett was a huge inspiration for the show, and all of his episodes, they're really high on the hit meter. And I think 100 in a perfect time is a perfect time for a new Jim Corbett story. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since we've had one, too, yeah. so it's it's about time. And the story we are starting this episode is a very good one, detailing the man-eating leopard of Ruta Prayag. Ooh. This notorious leopard killed at least 125 people. Jeez. A heavy-hitting animal serial killer. Legit. That's crazy. With all of our Jim Corbett stories, they, they kind of branch into a true crime umbrella, if you think about yeah. it. So it's kind of a true crime, with, but with animals type of episode and with a, a excellent detective yeah. of, of Jim Corbett. Maybe we should start all of our episodes with Jim Corbett going, dong, 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 in the, in the law and order. And Jim Corbett, and this is his story. Yeah. Dong, dong. <laughs> that would yeah. work pretty well. But yeah, true crime is really popular nowadays, so I try to... Yeah. It's kind of a good idea for us. Yeah. But uh, And this will be part one of three parts. So I said this might wow. be a two-parter. It's going to be a three-parter. Oh, boy. Uh, this episode is going to be the setup for the the story of Jim hunting the leopard. Okay. So, like I said, this is a, a book, a whole book that we're doing this from. And, yeah, we're not even like a third of the way through the book with this episode alone. Wow. I'll tell you more about that later, but okay. yes, this it's going to be a three-parter and uh, man, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, it's, it's just going to be really cool. This episode is going to be a lot of fun and so will the whole series. Okay. It's going to be cool. Right on. Uh, we hope everyone enjoyed last episode on the mighty anaconda of the Amazon, the world's heaviest snake. Uh, just, they they do have an enemy named uh, Ice Cube and J Lo, <laughs> so as long as you're not Ice Cube and J Lo, I think the anacondas will be fine against you. Uh, anacondas were a lot of fun, and we hope everyone enjoyed it as well. Yeah. And as always, we are joined in the studio by everyone's favorite cheetah, Professor Cheetor. Gentlemen, I just want to congratulate you both on making it to your 100th episode. It is really a milestone. I I just feel like such a proud Papa Cheetah right now. Oh, thank you, Professor. Professor Papachitor. <laughs> Professor Papachitor. Maybe that's his new name. <laughs> well, thank you, Professor. We appreciate that. Yeah. And it is cool to be 100. Oh, yeah. 100 years, 100 episodes old. Uh, man, we want to thank all of the listeners for helping us with that. It's super cool. Yeah. Uh, man, it's been almost a three-year journey. 
since we yeah. started this whole thing. Yeah. So we want to thank every, all the listeners who were here from the beginning, who are here in the middle, who were brand new to the show. Uh, we welcome everyone. Thank you very much. But without you, this wouldn't be possible. So yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. And if you want to contribute to the show, what you can do is go to Apple Podcasts. You can go there, give us five stars, give us a review, say whatever you want. We really do have people say whatever they want sometimes. <laughs> Somebody told us their favorite kind of sandwich. Someone says we, we need to talk less. We need to banter less, but still gave us five stars. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> say whatever you want. But yeah, you can do that. And that really helps us out. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you say? I'm ready, Dave. How about you? Let's do it. You ready to get going? Yeah. Um, so what I want to do before we get going into the story, let's do just a real quick refresher on Jim Corbett. Okay. Just in case some new listeners may not know. Okay. So Jim Corbett is a certified badass. Yeah. With a top-notch mustache. <laughs> uh, if you think of your stereotypical safari guide outfit, Jim was wearing it. Yeah. He really fits that stereo safari stereotype. I wonder if it's because of him, you know? I do. I really think it... Mommy, I want to be like Jim Corbett. <laughs> Can I please have those high socks, Mommy? Who's <laughs> selling his outfit today. <laughs> But uh, yeah, if you think it's a stereotypical safari outfit, and Jim was wearing it, and every photo I've seen, he has the short shorts, high socks, and button-up shirt with an English-style cowboy hat and like a little, little tie yeah. as well. Uh, he seems very prim and proper, yeah, type of a gentleman. Uh, and he's a British guy that lived most of his life in India when Britain still ran India. He was a hunter, a tracker, a naturalist, author, environmentalist, among among many other things. And after his hunting career ended, he chose to shoot animals with a camera instead of a gun. Right and on. he said he, he got way more satisfaction out of doing it that way as opposed to killing. Nice. But he is, what he is best known for is his hunting of man-eating tigers and leopards. And we have done episodes on... I, mean, I think we've done five, five uh, episodes on Jim already. And four of his hunting stories already. Yeah. Uh, all excellent stories. And he killed around a, around a dozen man-eaters together. Wow. And all together, the man-eaters had killed around 1,200 people. Wow. That's, isn't that insane to think about? Yeah. And he is just an excellent uh, tracker and hunter. He is, to this day, very, uh, very well respected all around... All around the world, really, and especially in in India, oh, they okay. still are very high on him, and so much so that there is a national park named after him. Sweet, we in, should go in India. Yeah, if we go to <laughs> India, that's where we'll go. It's Jim Corbett National Park, and if I remember right, they have the one of, if not the highest, wild tiger population. Wow! Right to the to this day. Oh, okay. In the world, like for a certain amount of area. Wow. Uh, and he was really big on conservation and wanted to protect the great Indian animals. Uh, yeah, he was really big in conservation. He did a yeah. lot. And also, the tiger subspecies, the Indo-Chinese tiger, is named Panthera tigris corbetti. Nice. So he literally has a tiger named after him. <laughs> and these, this uh, subspecies is critically endangered. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So I honestly can't put him over enough. He is just a cool dude. Uh, our listeners, our, our, I know for a fact our listeners think so as well. I get a lot of messages from listeners saying that he, they love his stories. His are, our, I think his stories are our number one thing. 
yeah. that we do on the show. Yeah. Which is fine by me. <laughs> that's great. Uh, he, he, like I said, he, him and his stories were a big inspiration for us starting this podcast as well. And I can go on and on about him, but we have a story to do. And if you want to learn more about him, you can go back to episode 20. It's all about him and his life and everything like that. Uh, and then one of our top hit episodes, it, it, that's one of our top hit episodes as well. And same with uh, his hunt for the Champawa Tigris yeah. that killed 436 people. Isn't that crazy? So crazy. And there's another leopard that we'll do another again another time that killed even more than the one we're doing right now. Oh, really? But oh, the story's dear. way less known. Oh, okay. But, yes, we'll get into that later. And to let everyone know, or to let everyone know, I really only have one source for this story, and it comes directly from one of Jim's books. The book is called The Man-Eating Leopard of Ruta Prayag. So it is a whole book for this one story. Every other story we've covered from him, or from his book, Man-Eaters of Kumeyan, and each story was like a chapter, like 25 pages. Okay. Now, this story is a full book, 191 pages. Wow. So, quite challenging to put this episode together, and uh, I had to condense, I'll have to condense a lot, and skip a lot that wasn't as important. That's why this is going to be multiple parts. Okay. And when I do Jim's stories, I will quote from him from time to time, but I do change things and put his words into my own. Okay. Just to make, I feel like it helps, it's easier to follow, because he, he does kind of talk old-timey British uh-huh. in some Sometimes, so I have to look up some words and okay. figure it out. So to make things easier, I'm putting his words into mine. Okay. And Dave, I'm ready to get started. How about you? Let's do it. Terrific. <laughs> uh, I'm skipping his first chapter as it's not important to the story whatsoever. So the second chapter is about the man-eater. Okay. Let's get it going. When an animal becomes a man-eater, be it leopard or tiger, it is given a place name for purposes of identification. It doesn't it doesn't have to be confined to this particular place, but it is for where it is best known. And for the man-eater, it is in the area of Ruta Prayag. It is a district in northern India. It's kind of a holy sacred area for Hindus as well. Hmm. And many Hindus traveled to the area for a pilgrimage for the temples, to visit the temples and the shrines there. Okay. Oh, and I looked on its Wikipedia page, and Ruta Prayag is best known for its temples as well as this story. Oh. The first paragraph has talks about the temples and then Jim Corbett's hunt for the leopard of wow. Ruta Prayag. So this is what it's known for. Uh, the pilgrimage of Hindus that come here plays a role in the story, so I wanted to give you kind of an idea of it. So leopards do not become man-eaters for the same reasons that tigers do. Now, this is all from Jim Corbett's mouth. Okay. And I imagine everyone knows what a leopard is, and I don't feel the need to go over what a leopard is at this time. Yeah. We all know, I think. Yeah. Jim says that leopards are the most beautiful and graceful of all the animals in the jungle. Mm. And when cornered or wounded, are second to none in courage. They are excellent hunters, but also scavengers and eat any dead thing that they will find. Okay. Makes sense. So it's in Hindu culture that you be cremated once you die. Mm -hmm. Cremation takes place on the bank of the river 
so that the ashes are washed down into the Ganges River and eventually to the sea. Okay. A tradition that they still do today. In normal times, these rites are carried out effectively, but when disease runs rampant and people die faster than can be disposed of, they use different methods. Oh. Oh, by the way, we should probably do something before we continue. Uh, we need we need to go back in time, Dave. Oh. So let's hop into the force of nature time machine. Sometime. Somewhere. And we are going to about 1918. Uh, so we t- I just talked about disease. Dave, what deadly disease was going around at this time? Was it rabies? <laughs> it was not rabies. Oh, darn. Uh, the, the Spanish flu. Very good. The Spanish flu, which was... Uh, the influenza pandemic, uh, known as known as the Spanish flu. This pandemic killed. Uh, we don't know. Nobody has an exact amount, but it's around 50 million worldwide. Wow! And that was back in 1918 when the population was not nearly what it is oh, today. Yeah. So it, it's a hundred times worse than COVID for sure. Oh yeah. And even in 1918, it reached like the very rural areas of India. Wow! Isn't that? It's amazing how it it, it worked. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't until the end. Of this pandemic that the man-eater entered the scene. Okay. So Jim, he believes it became a man-eater from feeding on human corpses. Uh, It liked the taste of humans so much that when the corpses ran out, it started killing to get that juicy, tender human meat. (laughs) It makes as much sense as anything. Yeah, it uh, does. Remember, with our previous tiger stories, they were all injured in some manner, which made them turn to man-eating. Uh-huh. But this leopard just likes the taste. Man, this is starting to sound like an Arby's commercial or something. <laughs> Get the Good meat. Try it. We have the meats. <laughs> we have the human meats. <laughs> That's a leopard commercial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to demonize leopards in any way. They're amazing animals, and man-eaters are extremely rare. But damn, a leopard craving human meat is a scary thought. Yeah, And it does ha- it has happened before. The first recorded kill from the leopard came near Ruta Prayag on June 9th, 1918. And its last kill took place on April 14th, 1926. Oh, wow. That's a, a long man-eating career. Yeah. Eight years wow. on the run, just eating men and women and children. Wow. Between these two dates, the number of recorded human kills recorded by the government was 125. Gee. But Jim says he knows this number is not correct. He knows that not all kills were reported. Mm-hmm. The kills where the leopard only injured a person, then they died later from their injuries, were never recorded. Oh. It's safe to say that it was more than 125 kills. This is from Jim himself. Okay. We don't have an exact, so so over 125 is a hardcore serial killer. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. A heavy hitter. Now, what was the, between what dates was this? It was from 1918 to 1926. Okay. So Jeez. an eight-year eight career. Wow. I mean, Ted Bundy doesn't have anything on this leopard. All those, Jack the Ripper, they got nothing on this leopard, yeah. right? Think about it. So the story of this man-eating leopard is probably Jim's most famous hunt, mm. actually. More famous than the Champawa. Oh, okay. Tiger. This leopard reached, it was highly uh, 
publicized. This this leopard reached newspapers all over the world, from the UK, the United States, Canada, South Africa, Jeez. Kenya, Malaysia, Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand, and in most of the daily newspapers in India. Wow. There was a spot for it. Also, pilgrims would spread the word of the story after traveling to the region. Okay. Uh, then take it into account, Jim wrote an entire book on just this one man-eating story. Yeah. So all the others just had like chapters. So this one really is, I would I would argue, is probably his most famous story. Okay. And we find out that the leopard is an oversized male. Okay. Uh, probably around 200 pounds-ish, give or take. Gee. So now we go to his, ne- his chapter, simply titled Terror. I'm going to quote his opening lines from this. The word terror is so generally and universally used in connection with everyday trivial matters that it is apt to convey the real meaning. I should like, therefore, to give you some idea of what the terror, real terror, meant to the 50,000 inhabitants living in the 500 square miles in which the man-eater operated between 1918 and 1926. And I will give you a few instances to show you what grounds the inhabitants and pilgrims had for that terror. Yeah. That's not, that actually sounds like a lot of people, too, within that area, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, there is a lot of people. It's a rural area, and, but there is a lot of people. Yeah, and even to think 100 years ago, that, that mm-hmm. many, you know. No curfew order has ever been more strictly enforced and more implicitly obeyed <laughs> than the curfew imported by the man-eating leopard of Rudapriag. <laughs> that's pretty good stuff huh yeah hey there's a matting leopard out so there's a curfew of i got it i got it don't worry i'm there don't yeah worry. And we're just like, okay <laughs> you had me a man eating <laughs> during the sunlight hours it was business as usual in the area children went to school men and women worked on the farms and if it was summertime pilgrims made their way up to the shrines But as soon as the sun approached the western horizon, the behavior of everyone quickly changed. Everyone went for shelter. When nighttime came, an ominous silence brooded over the whole area. No movement, no sound anywhere. The entire population was behind closed doors. Wow. This is what terror meant to these people for eight long years. It is, and it is, it's crazy that they are terrified to go outside because of a leopard. Yeah. Uh, it, just thinking about it is hard. It's, it's hard to comprehend in yeah. some ways because you're not there. But but if you don't believe Jim and you think uh, one leopard is no big deal, well, he's going to give us a few stories on why you would be <laughs> terrified. You want to hear them? Yeah. His first story. It has an orphan boy. He's about... He's 14 years old, who was employed to watch over a flock of 40 goats. He was of the depressed, untouchable class. And I don't know, Dave, if you're familiar with the Indian caste system. No. But the untouchable is the lowest of the low class, with the worst jobs. Why are they called untouchable? Because once you're there... It's really hard to move from class to class. Uh-huh. So once you're an untouchable, you're an untouchable forever, and nobody else cares about you, kind of. 
Oh, okay. You're at, you're on, you're on the low end of the spectrum, and it's just, the caste system's still alive today. I don't know oh. if it's as much as it was back then, but um, anyway, uh, uh, he would return to his master's residence each evening, uh, given food, and slept basically in the small barn with the goats. Okay. To prevent the the goats from crowding him, he fenced off part of the room, like made his own little corner for oh. himself to sleep. Uh, the boy's master would then lock it up by putting a piece of wood across the door. You, you, you get what I'm picturing? Yeah. You get what I'm thinking? Of? Mm-hmm. Okay. But a, a piece of wood across the door, and the door was only was the only way in and out of the barn. Okay. Well, on this one night, the man-eating leopard was craving 14-year-old orphan meat. Jeez. Somehow, the leopard clawed at the door and knocked down the wood piece locking it. Oh. The leopard entered the room. While the boy was sleeping, uh, leopards are extremely stealthy, and after a long day's work, the boy slept through everything. Oh. But yeah, leopards are like top-notch stealth. No, I mean, they're they're perfectly adapted to do that, and they hunt mm. at night, so it all works for them. Now, remember, there are 40 freaking goats in there as well. Yeah. And just one boy in a fenced-off area on the far side of the barn. The leopard totally ignores the goats. Oh, gee. Going through them in order to get closer to the boy. Ugh. The goats run out uh, and out of the open door. The leopard gets through the small divi- uh, dividing fence, grabs the boy, and then carries the boy outside. Oh my goodness. Uh, carries him down a steep hillside into a ravine. It was here that his master found his remains the next morning. Uh, not much left in the remains. He was wow. eaten. Uh, but not one goat was even injured. Jeez. So normally a leopard would take a goat, Yeah. you think. But not this leopard. It picked out the only human in the room. Wow. Ignored the goats, which you would think it would go for. Yeah. This leopard likes human meat. Jeez. And like I said, leopards are extremely strong and are they are known to carry their prey sometimes hundreds of yards to a safe spot and sometimes up a tree Jeez. to a safe spot. Uh, straight out of a monster movie, though, huh? Yeah. Well, if that wouldn't terrify, terrify you, here is another story. <laughs> a man goes over to his neighbors to hang out. They're just going to hang out and chill together. Okay. Uh, they take turns smoking out of their hookah. You know what a hookah is, right? Yeah. Hookahs were popular, like, when I was in college, like, in 2011. Oh, really? Yeah. We Any party we went to, everybody had hookahs. Huh. So, but I haven't seen them in years now, so. That's whatever. weird. But um, uh, the owner just passed his, the hookah to his buddy when he knocked it over, scattering the burning charcoal and tobacco on the floor. Back in yeah, back in college, that would have been a big party foul. <laughs> uh, but they get into a little argument, telling his buddy to be more careful. Uh, the one man began picking picking it up. Uh, the other turned away, and then the man who turned away noticed the door is open. He could see the moon, then saw the silhouette of a leopard. Oh. Carrying his friend out the door. Oh my goodness. 
When recounting the incident to Jim a few days later, this man told him, I am speaking the truth when I say, I never heard even so much as the intake of a breath or any other sound from my friend who was only an arm's length away from me when the leopard grabbed him and carried him away. Oh my goodness. There was nothing I could do for my friend, so I waited until the leopard was gone some little while. Then I crept up to the door and closed it. Oh, jeez. So it's uh, from, from a length from me to you away. I turned my head. You're gone, Dave. Oh, my goodness. Well, I hope Professor Cheetor doesn't well, get I mean, ideas. He should protect us, right? Yeah. <laughs> so this leopard is a silent killer. Uh, just a crazy story. Yeah. And very scary. Yeah, that's crazy. Rumors of these stories going around town, I think that would terrify everybody. Yeah. Want to hear another one? Okay. <laughs> I can't help myself. Yes, right. I do. Actually. It's addicting. I want more leopard, <laughs> man-eating leopard stories. So the wife of the head man of the village was ill of a fever. Okay. And two friends were over to nurse her. Okay. They have had, uh, they have two rooms in, in the house, in the home, basically a bedroom and a living room is all. Okay. The three women were in the living room. And there is only one door to the outside to get in and out. The husband is in the bedroom with its door uh, open to the living room. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. And the bedroom also has one small window on the far side of the bed. At around midnight, everyone was asleep. The leopard sneaks in through the bedroom window, which was left open. It skirts past the sleeping husband in the bed, walks into the living room with the three women inside. The leopard grabs the ill wife by the throat and drags her back into the bedroom to take out the window. Oh my goodness. While doing this, the leopard knocks something over, uh, which wakes the husband who sees the leopard leap out of the window. But the leopard did drop the wife on its way out under the window. She is dead, though. It has already killed her. And she she has four teeth marks um, on her throat, four large teeth marks. So it grabbed her, silently killed her, and was almost able to get her through the window. Wow. Jim talks to a neighbor whose wife was one of the nurses. He says... The woman was very ill of fever and was likely to have died in any case. So it was actually fortunate that the leopard selected her. Maybe it was because he got used to eating the... Well, and you know what? Predators have a sixth sense, and they are able to, to pick out the weak okay. and the vulnerable. Like predators in general, they, they, just, they, know, they know which ones to pick out. Okay. So it might it likely would have just known seeing her condition like that's the one that's going to be the easiest one to take oh. out so I'm going to take her. But think this leopard is so is bold enough to break into people's homes while they're inside and pick somebody out. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh knowing this if you lived in this area you'd be you I would follow curfew and probably be terrified, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, so I have one more story from oh, okay. Jim in this chapter. So two men, they are brothers, were moving their herd of 30 buffaloes from grazing. 
They are accompanied by the older brother's 12-year-old daughter, who was apparently soon to be married. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Different time, different place. Yeah. Anyway, they were strangers to the area and either had not heard of the man-eater or believed the buffaloes would give them all the protection that they needed. <gasps> they found a small field close to the road and decided to camp there. They tethered their buffaloes with stakes in the ground to keep them there. And all three... Was that a pun? What? Buffalo steaks. No. Oh, that was okay. not a pun. <laughs> stakes in the ground, like camping. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> uh, all three of them then had a meal and went to sleep. And it was a dark night. And sometime towards the early morning hours, the two men were awakened by the booming of the, of the buffalo bells and the loud snorting of the animals. Mm. Knowing from their experience that these sounds indicated there was presence of a predator. Uh-huh. The men lit their lanterns and went along the buffaloes to settle them down. No ropes have been broken or anything like that. Oh. And the men were only gone for a few minutes when they returned to their camp and found that the daughter, the 12-year-old girl, who they left sleeping, was missing. Oh my goodness. On her blanket were splashes of blood. Oh. When daylight came, the men followed a blood trail that led them down a field and down a steep hillside, and they find the remains of the poor girl. The wow. leopard had eaten a good amount of her. Oh. They had a little more detail, which isn't necessary, Mm. But the leopard ate a good amount of her. Another tragic story caused by this leopard. Um, Jim says in the book he could go on and on with other stories. But he thinks he has said enough to convince us that these people had ample reason to be terrified of this man-eating leopard. Yeah. And, yeah, I agree with him. Yeah. So Jim is really putting over how dangerous this leopard is and how scared uh, the people were of it. Jim also says that the Hindu people of the area are intensely superstitious, Mm. which added greater fear. Uh, They think this leopard is supernatural. Oh, that makes sense. Many believe the leopard was an evil spirit sent to make them suffer. And some men in the village were accused of basically being weir leopards. Oh, wow. Jim speaks with one local man, and he tells Jim that years before, even before this leopard, this uh-huh. was a, like decades before, uh, the man's father had been part of a group that burnt down a man's house with him inside for believing that he was a weir leopard. Oh, my goodness. And this man, his, his father passed on along the story, and now this man... Firmly believes that it was a weir leopard. Wow. And tells Jim that something like this is happening again. Oh. He believes it's another weir leopard. Oh my goodness. Something like this almost so, something like this almost happened when the leopard first became a man eater. So this is a right when our, our man eater became a man eater. Okay. Something similar, another story happened. So let me tell that. After several people had been killed. Many believed a human was responsible for the killings. Hmm. An angry crowd of men seized an unfortunate villager, believing that he was the one responsible. Oh, no. But before they could wreak 
vengeance on him, the deputy commissioner arrived to settle the mob down. They were, like, about to lynch this guy, legitimately. The commissioner suggested the man be arrested and guarded day and night. So, for seven days and seven nights, the man was guarded and carefully watched. Which is a reasonable for this guy to go in there and be like, let's do this instead, wait and see, just to calm the mob down. Was actually a smooth move. And so after uh, seven days and seven nights, on the eighth morning, word was brought back that a house in a village some miles away had been broken into and a man was dragged away. The innocent man was then released. Okay, good. Pretty crazy week for that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Not the best time. Accused of being a were-leopard. That's so weird, yeah. Being in jail for seven days. But yeah, he was released. So good thing he wasn't burnt down. Yeah. But uh, Jim, in the same chapter of his book, goes over what was done to try and stop the man-eating uh, leopard before Jim had arrived. But yeah, I'm putting putting over like how uh, the superstition in the Hindu culture is involved in this. And there's another example here. Oh, okay. So Jim believed that the government did everything in its power to remove the leopard. Rewards were offered, and there were 4,000 licensed gun orders in Rudaprayag, in the Rudaprayag area. Wow. Um, over 300 more licenses were granted for the specific purpose of shooting the man-eater. Uh, appeals were made through the press to sportsmen all over India to assist in trying to help hunt and kill this man-eater. And Jim then goes into three different incidents that happened. So I will summarize them for us. Okay. First one, in response to the press appeal to sportsmen, two young British officers arrived in 1921 to try and kill the man-eating leopard. The two officers decided to try and hunt it at, um, they were hunting it from a bridge. At the end of the bridges on each side were towers. So one went in the left tower, one went in the right tower. Kind of give them a good vantage point. Doesn't sound like a terrible idea. Apparently, they had been doing, they had been waiting there uh, every night for two months straight. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. Finally, one evening, the leopard came out. Walked out onto the bridge. uh, Waiting till it got to the middle of the bridge, the man in the left tower fired his rifle. And as it as it dashed across, the man in the right tower emptied six six shots out of his revolver. So he had to be pretty. Cl- the leopard had to be yeah. pretty close to take revolver shots instead of a rifle shot. Yeah. The men believed they uh, they that they delivered a fatal shot, so they looked for several days trying to find the body of the leopard, and there was a blood trail that they followed. So they noted they. They were aware that they did hit the leopard. Okay. From the particulars given to Jim, so he was told about this story. Uh-huh. This is how amazing Jim is. So from the particulars given to him, Jim, um, to give given to Jim of the blood trail, it was of his opinion that the sportsmen were wrong in thinking they delivered a fatal shot. The blood trail, as described to him, could only be made from a foot wound. Oh. His deduction ended up being correct. Oh, and that geez. one bullet had only 
crease the pad of of the leopard's left hind foot and uh, uh, shot away part of its toe. Oh my goodness. That's Sherlock Holmes stuff. It really is. The the detective in him is amazing. Yeah. But uh, all of the other shots were missed. But yeah, damn, Jim is good. He's a legit (laughs) Sherlock Holmes of animals. Yeah. To be able to figure that stuff out. It's really incredible and it's really cool. Yeah. All right, so here is another instance. A leopard in which everyone believed was the man-eater was caught in a drop-door type trap. Oh, okay. It could have been easily killed here. But due to the Hindu superstitions, the Hindu people here were unwilling to kill it. For fear, the spirits of the people whom the man-eater had killed would torment them for the rest of their lives. Oh, interesting. So this really puts over the superstition aspect of this whole story. Yeah. So the people sent for an Indian Christian to come and kill the leopard. (laughs) Like, go get that Christian guy. He'll kill it. Uh, The nearest Christian was 30 miles away. Oh, wow. And before he could arrive, the leopard dug its way out of the trap and escaped. Oh, my goodness. Wild, huh? Yeah. So, yeah, the superstitions didn't help the people here. There. Oh, that's crazy. So they sent for the nearest Christian. To, you know, <laughs> the Christians will kill it. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of funny. It, it is, but... Yeah. I wonder how they how they uh, uh, baited it to go through the trap I don't know. door. I wonder if they, they, well, they dressed up a guy as a woman. <laughs> I'm sick. Oh, oh, I forgot to close they the put, door. They put, like, a tape recorder in there. Oh, there you go. Help yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so this third one is wild, too. So after killing a man, the leopard laid with its kill in an isolated patch of jungle. Next morning, when a search was being made for the victim, the leopard was detected leaving the jungle, and after a short chase, it was seen entering a cave. Ooh. The mouth of the cave was promptly closed. The people closed it using thorn brushes. Oh, Heaped over with big rocks. Ah. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Every day, a crowd of men visited this area. And on the fifth day, some 500 were uh, assembled at this cave area. A man whose name was not given, but he was described as a man with influence. So some kind of a leader. Okay. Came to the to the cave and convinced the people that the leopard was not in the cave or was no longer in the cave. Huh? Does he have any credentials for knowing this? I don't know. Is he full of shit? Yep. We find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he is influential. I'll believe him. Yeah. (laughs) He then took the thorns off. This man did. As he took the last thorn brush off, the leopard suddenly rushed out of the cave and made its way through the crowd of 500 men and escapes again. Oh my goodness, it didn't even take one. Huh? No, it didn't kill anybody, oh, but wow. it, it, think about it. It probably hasn't eaten for five days. Oh, and yeah. And it's just, it, want, it wants to get out of there. It's wow. not going to kill 500 people. So, it, But it went through the crowd, and everybody, you can imagine, does the wave to dodge it and yeah. get out of its way. Wow. But these incidents uh, took place shortly after the leopard had become a man-eater. And had the leopard been killed on the bridge, shot in the trap, or uh, sealed in the cave, many, many people need not have died. Yeah. And the people would not have been uh, so scared, and they would have been saved for years of suffering. 
Isn't that crazy? Really is. Really is. But this this leopard is a bold killer and an escape artist. I mean, that yeah. makes for an extremely dangerous animal. Yeah. I wonder if that influential man was like, oh, it used its mind tricks and told me it wasn't in there. Probably. <laughs> you know? I wouldn't doubt it. Superstition? That makes sense. But he still has our Everybody influence. just buys it. Yeah. yeah. Just makes, <laughs> makes some dumb stuff up. Yeah. But I don't know if Dave, have you ever seen leopard or uh, videos of a leopard, like in modern times, going I've, through people? Oh, I well, I've seen them. Yeah, like they'll get them in India. They come mm-hmm. in the cities in India, and I've seen some YouTube's. Yeah, on those. it's wild. There's there's one famous yeah. one. I saw it on the uh, seventy two dangerous animals of India. Oh, huh. And leopard was like episode one, the first thing oh, that wow. they did. And man, this leopard is just running on rooftops, attacking people. Goes into crazy? a swimming pool, attacks a person. Wow! And it's not killing them, but it's just like, and it's just—it's amazing the agility. It's a parkour. It's yeah. A, it's a parkour cat. Yeah. It's just, just um, running and jumping, and it's amazing what they can do. Yeah. So yes, an extremely dangerous animal here, and this episode was meant to introduce you to the leopard, and the feelings of the man eater of the. Uh, and the feelings of the people in the area that had to be live with this man eater. And I hope Jim and I have convinced you that these people were genuinely terrified of this leopard. Yeah. This was the setup to what will come in the following episodes of, of this story. Dave, that is going to wrap up part one. Jeez. Of the man eating leopard of Ruta Prayag and our 100th episode. Hey. Oh, and by the way, like I said, this is 191 pages. We've made it to page 26. <laughs> so, uh, I, but I, I just loved the second chapter so much and felt it was important to the story. So that's why I basically did a whole episode on the first couple chapters. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to say, maybe this should be a 13 partner. <laughs> We're not going that far. This is a bit, <laughs> much, a bit much. But I really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoy a good setup to a story. So, yeah. I hope that I provided everyone for that and gained more anticipation to the rest of the story. And it is a great story. Yeah. Uh, next episode, we will begin with Jim's actual hunt for the leopard. And I, I imagine we will need two uh, two more episodes for this story. Like I said, I've got 160 more pages to go. <laughs> so you got to condense that. Uh, luckily, he does a few side stories that I can kind of skip over and, oh, okay. and just cover the hunt for the leopard and maybe some more attack stories. Okay. But uh, it's an excellent story, and I will try to get the other parts out as quickly as possible. So we'll try to do one in the next by the next week. Okay. But Dave, big congrats and thank you on being such a great, reliable podcast partner. Oh, of course, of course. We made it to 100 episodes, so cheers, mate, to that. Yeah. And we have a few shout-outs to give. All right, so our first shout-out comes to Oh Dave O. Oh Dave O. It's not you, is it? No. <laughs> okay. Well, they say that our, our podcast is a wonderful listen and the hosts are very entertaining. So Sweet. Thank you very much. Our second one comes to Mick Chavez. Mick Chavez. Something like that. Uh, he thinks we chat a little bit too much, but still likes us anyway. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> of course we chat a little. Yeah. That's what a podcast is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Chatting. Yeah. But uh, thank you, everyone, for your for those. That they really mean a lot. Uh, and if you haven't done that yet and you want to be uh, you want to help out the show 
Dave, what is something they could do for us? Go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to, subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars, say something you like about the show. It really helps us gain more attention, gain more listeners. If you really want to help us out, you know, when you're perusing the jungle, or you see you may see some change in a trap door or in a windowsill or something, just send it our way, you know? I mean, man, we got to eat. Uh, not lepers, but we got to eat. Yeah. Very good, Dave. Thank you. That's one of my favorite parts of every episode is when you do that. <laughs> But yes, you can also help us. Uh, if you want to leave a donation, you can go to forceofnaturepod at gmail.com on PayPal. Leave a small donation, whatever you like. It is our 100th episode, so it's a big deal. Yeah. Or you can go on Venmo. You can use my personal account, uh, Matthew-Hamilton-51. Uh, any any donation is uh, amazing for us, and it will give you super shout-out. Make sure that you get credit for helping us out, and we we appreciate it more than anything. Yeah. And also, we have T-shirts available. We just sold a bunch more. Sweet. Um, yeah, I got to order more still, but we um, how you if you want to order them, first off, they're really good-looking T-shirts. Yeah. If you want to order one, what you do is go on Facebook or Instagram and just DM us. Um, and tell us that you want one, uh, what size, and we'll, your your address, and we will send it to you, and it'll get there within a week. Yeah, uh, it's worked really extremely well for us so far doing it this way, as opposed to like having an online store where we would wouldn't make anything out of it. But yeah. um, t-shirts are twenty four dollars plus shipping and handling, so just letting everybody know that. Yeah. And also, uh, I still am making hot sauces, so send over your. Nice. Your hot sauce, force of nature, hot sauce name ideas. We've had we've had some previously, but I'm looking for some, and I made a new one. Uh, it's a um, creamy jalapeno ranch. I don't oh, know if really? I told okay. everybody about that one, and it's it's been the best seller so far. I've oh. been selling them to people at work all the time. <laughs> nice. So uh, that one's really good, and so we also got a jalapeno avocado, uh, jalapeno pineapple, oh. uh, and a mango habanero. Okay. And that one is espacy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Too spicy for Dave. Dave's kind of a puss when it comes I don't to hot do sauce. Well with spices. Yeah. I love. I'm. If my food doesn't have hot sauce on it, I don't know what to do with myself now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah, just if you want to throw us some cool like uh, fort name ideas for the hot sauce, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. So go ahead and do that. We we're, we're not quite selling them uh, online yet. We'll eventually get to that. But yeah. as of now, yeah, we're just we we want some clever names. Yeah. And uh, to anybody, if you ha- you or somebody you know has a story that you would like to tell us, please feel free to uh, email us or send us a DM on somewhere. Or if you just want to say hi, ask a question, recommend an idea, just go ahead and do that. Email us or message us on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. All right. Well, did I have anything else to mention? I think I'm good. Meh. 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 All right. Meh. Happy 100th. Yes. Yeah. Um, Dave, do you have anything else to add? No, I'm good. All right. Um, how about you there, Professor? Gentlemen, what an intriguing 100th episode. I cannot wait for more. I hope Jim Corbett finds this man-eating leopard and sends it to its grave. Whoa, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that Professor Cheetor had the thing against leopards. Yeah. Maybe because they steal, leopards tend to steal cheetahs kills oh, all the yeah. time. <laughs> so maybe that's why. Makes He's going to have to wait and see now. <laughs> Uh, this is Force of Nature Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been an excellent 100 episodes. We really appreciate everyone. We will see you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>